O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Dear friends, we are into the third week of Lent. Lent time, when we both reflect on the attributes of God and also on how it relates to each of our personal lives. In the psalm that was read to us, Psalm 103, verses 8 and 9, it's very easy to preach a sermon telling you the Lord is merciful, nobody would have any questions, the Lord is gracious, well and good, the Lord is slow to anger, fine, the Lord is abounding in steadfast love, we would love it. The Lord would not accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever, fine. But how does it relate to our personal lives during Lent? I would just want to draw out of the several characteristics attributed to God in this particular psalm, just four, asking this question, four divine characteristics we can use as mirrors to look at our Christian life during Lent time. Psalm 103 and verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And if defined nature is to reflect from you and me, then this nature of being compassionate, being merciful, should be reflected in our personal lives. The image is familiar to us. There was a woman being accused by others. There was a woman being accused of ill morality. There was a woman who was being stoned. And when they saw Jesus, they thought this is another opportunity to trap him and came to him citing the laws of Moses. Jesus told them, he who has no sin in himself or herself, let them pelt the first stone. There was a silence and after a silence of a few moments, perhaps the sounds of stones falling down from each person's hands would have been heard. This woman, almost facing death, looked at the compassionate face of Jesus. And when he saw that compassionate face of Jesus, she also heard this voice. Well, has no one condemned you? Even I am not condemning you. Go, but sin no more. Mercy triumphs always over judgment. Because everybody will be able to judge. But mercy is not everybody's character. It has to be Christian character. Why? Because the scripture clearly says, your sin, whatever it is, my fault, your fault, is not greater than God's mercy. In God's mercy, when we continue to reflect on the cross, when God is willing to forgive us, when God is willing to give us a second opportunity, a third opportunity, when God is willing to give us 
life to go on, do we not have a responsibility to have this mercy reflected in our lives? There was an elderly gentleman wanting to cross an icy river. There were several horses coming in. One after another, the horses just galloped in front of him with people in it. This man just stood silently there. And when one particular horse came, he just showed his hand. The horseman stopped and asked, can I do something for you? This man said, would you please help me across this icy river? Happily, the man took the elderly gentleman into the horse. And as the horse was slowly growing through the river, this man asked this question. There were several people in front of me galloping their way. Why did you not stop any of them? The elderly gentleman said, I looked at every person's eyes, couldn't find, find compassion, couldn't find mercy in any one of those. But when I looked at your eyes, I could find mercy, I could find compassion. And that's why I showed my hand. Dear friends, it is said, it is always better to risk saving a guilty person than to condemn an innocent one. We are all, we are all into the habit of condemning. God is merciful and gracious. And when God is merciful and gracious, we should also remember that sometimes it is more important to be gracious than to be the winner. For what does it profit you if you claim to be the winner at the cost of the grace of all the people? What is our benefit? What is our profit? And therefore, the primary question is this. It is good we say God is compassionate. It is good we say God is merciful. But during Lent time, the biggest question we ought to ask ourselves, not for others to make a judgment on ourselves, how compassionate was I the last three weeks? How gracious was I the last three weeks? How did my presence bring fragrance, joy, hope, goodwill, positive energy in the life of another person? The second important attribute of God that we find in this particular passage is this, over and over repeated in Psalm 103, the Lord is slow to anger. And every Lenten time, always, whoever is the preacher, we are reminded to look back at our own anger life. For children, there is a very old story of the king and the parakeet. The king loved his parakeet. And wherever the king went, the parakeet went with him. Even when he went hunting, the parakeet would join the chariot. One day they went hunting, but somehow the king lost his way in the forest. The little story goes that as the king went on into the forest, he became so thirsty and saw water dripping from the end of a ridge. The king went to a big leaf, made a little bowl of the leaf and started collecting water. It was dripping 
drop by drop, it took some time for the king to get some water drinkable. And as he was about to drink, the parakeet came flying down and did and just tore that little leaf bowl apart. The king was so furious. He tried again with another little leaf bowl, tried getting water. Again this time, when he got enough water, about to drink, the parakeet came again, did the same thing. When it happened the third time, the king was so furious, he took out his sword and one cut, the parakeet was cut into two pieces in front of, in front of his eyes. Rage of anger, the king was not very happy. But then he walked up to find out where is the source of water. And the story goes, where the water was just dripping down, he saw two very poisonous snakes. Perhaps the parakeet thought the poison of the snake would have poisoned the water. That's all the wisdom it had. Its intention was only to save the king. But the king, in his fit of rage, had killed. Anger had acted. And by the time he repented, it was too late. And therefore, every lunch time, we are reminded anger is only one letter short of danger. Anger is only one letter short of danger. Mark Twain once said, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. And that's why all of us are asked to look at the way we are able to manage our anger. Gautama Buddha said, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. He also said, holding on to Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot, hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the one who will be burned the more you hold it. Every minute of anger is 60 seconds of positive life wasted. We are also told anger is temporary madness. Control it or it will control you. A child was once asked to pick a picture that best portrayed her parents and the picture that she picked was this one. If my child is asked to portray her father, would this be the image she would be picking up. Anger is destroying several lives. Anger is destroying several families because children who grow up in context of anger would never be self-confident children. Anger is destroying several, several, several communities together. And therefore, let us look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger 
and give no opportunity to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4. Well, naturally, everybody gets angry. But then he says, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Sort things out. Solve things out. Carry anger within you affects only you and not the other person. Ephesians 4.31, we read, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. All anger be put away from you along with all malice. Perhaps this Lenten time, our reflection in our personal lives would be more than compassion, more than mercy, our anger management. Third, the scripture lesson says, abounding in steadfast love. Abounding in steadfast love. If you and I choose to see people through the eyes of love and not judgment, then we will live life as healer, lifting the fallen people, restoring the broken people, and bringing with us a fragrance into the spaces into which we walk to. That love, people would enjoy our presence, enjoy being with us. Steadfast love of God is something we have experienced. Whatever be the storms, whatever be the difficulties, whatever be the pain, whatever be the struggles that we went through, God's love was unchanging love. God's love was persistent love. Love never fails. People might fail. And therefore, at Lent time, it's always good to take a look at our love life. Our love to God, has it become just routine theory? Our love experiences within the home, is it becoming a joyous experience? Our love experiences as church, is it becoming an experience of joy for us? The path is not always easy. The path is ridden with paradoxes. But despite all those paradoxes, is our love, our love life, something that is steadfast? A very famous image. Our containers of love are cracked. At every Lenten time, we are asked to look at the love of God. The love of God that was made manifest at the washing of the feet. The love of God that was made manifest at the cross of Calvary. The love of God that was made, made manifest at resurrection. Well and good. But do or does that love of God reflect in my personal life? When I claim I am a Christian, I am part of the church. Or is my love pot cracked like this and I not realizing that the love of God which is inside is just being sapped away by my life. And finally, the character of Lent, the character of God, not always accusing. If God started accusing me for the sins I do, all the time God would be accusing. Because I am a mortal human being 
with all frailties and all sin. But the psalmist, David, having gone through the gravest of sins, yet having understood what forgiveness and restoration of the Lord is, he is able to say, my God is not an accusing God, a fault-finding God. Human nature was always like this. When one person makes an accusation, check to be sure he himself is not the guilty one. Sometimes it is those whose case is weak who make the biggest clamor, Anthony Pierce once said. Accusation started right from the Garden of Eden. Adam told it was Eve. Eve told it was the serpent. And it went on and on and on. Another end. We have to remember accusations has been the undercurrent of any crisis. People were accused. Guilt always have an ear for accusation. But what did the Bible say? Satan. Ha Satana. The word Hebrew word only means the accuser. And when Satan's power is gone in Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10. We read, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. That is satanic nature, accusing, accusing day and night. And therefore, when God does not accuse us, when God gives us all forgiveness that is there at the cross of Calvary, forgiven so big, but many of us unable to forgive so small. And therefore, four simple Lenten thoughts for all of us to take and meditate from those two verses in Psalm 108. Are we reflecting the compassion and grace of God in our lives. This Lent, may we have a check on our compassion, on our grace. Not for others to judge and mark us, but for us, our conscience to be with God. Second, is anger our problem? Let us look to God and pray, Lord, anger is just one word short of danger. Enable me. Enable me, O Lord, what, how to look, live a life winning over anger each step of the way. Is my love becoming weak? O Lord, make my love strong, steadfast, unchanging. Am I becoming an accuser? Having been forgiven by God so richly, so profusely, is my carnal human nature of being an accuser still remain, remaining? May this Lenten season enable each one of us to ask this question ourselves so that as we go on in Lent, Lent, an observance of Lent, not just the meat we eat or not eat, but the real experience of being with the Lord, may that have a transforming effect on us, our families, and the communities in which we are part. And now unto God, we all glory, honor, and praise, now and world without end. Amen.
We'll now have a Malayalam special song sung. The Malayalam lyrics transliterated is there with you. The English meanings are available just below each line. All of us who can follow singing the song, please do.
of the church. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one God, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten from the Father, God from God, light from light, through God from through God, begotten God made, a one being with the Father, through him all things are made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became to him. For our sakes, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. She has one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated for the prayers of the people. 